All right, so what episode number are we now? 41? Uh, 41, I think. 41. Yes. All right. We're firmly adults now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're good. Now we get to be cranky old men. <laughs> Is it now? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm so ahead of my time. <laughs> it starts at 41. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I'm ahead of the game when that You've already. just been practicing for 25 years. That's Two right. Bangled machine. <laughs> Project Scorpio and <laughs> your 4K. Back in my day, we didn't have 4K. We were lucky we had 1K. That's right. It's called a click wheel. We couldn't touch our screens. It would get smudged. <laughs> had wires everywhere. Oh, God. We had two buttons. That was it. <laughs> you were happy. <laughs> And let's jump and shoot. We're, we're swapped. Who the hell does that? <laughs> oh, my everybody uh, welcome to episode 41 of the used gamers my name mike i'm gonna be uh playing host this evening uh, with me as always are chris and jared hi hey all right so uh we got uh, a, a couple of things to talk about with you guys a few uh gaming stuff actually it's all gonna be kind of gaming stuff uh and uh, we'll just go ahead and uh, no, this is gonna right be the cooking episode that we talked about doing oh right yeah you gotta talk about those cookies <laughs> yeah. yeah anyway <laughs> yeah, the day i start cooking oh my um so let's let's just start off with just a general our usual kind of what you've been playing seeing what everybody's been up to uh i'll just go ahead and start off with myself um i've actually i'm just literally at the very end of uh, uncharted 4 uh which i got from jared thank you very you much go. yeah and uh a really really awesome game uh i would agree with you that it's up there with uh the second one um if you want to hear jared's uh review of the game just look back at a previous episode uh, but definitely a worth the pickup. A lot of fun. Really great story. You know, typical Naughty Dog. You know, A plus effort, all that jazz. Uh, so that's been pretty much the majority of my time. Chris, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been playing a couple of different things. Um, I've been playing some of the big, big releases of of the day, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But then just a bunch of other random little things. Um, for some reason, uh, on the heels of playing a lot of Dark Souls three, I decided to go back and. Um, and start up a new character in Demon Souls, which I hadn't touched since before Dark Souls was a thing at all. And um, and it's like, yeah, I remember this. I kind of remember. I, I don't think I'm really going to do much with it, just because the games that are newer than that are just so much better. But it's cool. It still looks pretty good. Still plays pretty good. Um, I ended up going through my. Uh, I was cleaning out the fridge, as they say, with the hard drive on the old PS4, and um, was looking for things to delete to make some space and. Uh, Came across, a, I think it was a PSN, like a free PS Plus game that we had gotten a while back called Deadly Tower of Monsters. Do you guys know anything about this game at all? Uh, no. I downloaded it, but yeah, I never actually... So, it, I yeah, I didn't know anything about it. And I think I just, I booted it up just to go like, okay, so I don't want this. Right, cool, delete. But, um, but what it was, was actually a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. So, it, I, I can give you a really brief rundown. I, I played the whole game. I beat it. Um, which probably took, I don't know, eight or nine hours. Um, but you're basically, it's a, it's a strange framing device that I haven't seen before exactly. Where you're, you're playing a game that's essentially like a really cheesy like 50s like b-movie sci-fi film 
So that's that's the game you're playing, but the sort of framing device for everything is that the video game that you're playing is essentially the director sitting down years later with like a with a audio recording technician and doing director's commentary for this movie that he made. So it does the thing what that um what was the game that whenever you died it would be like wait that's not how that happened and it would, was that Prince of Persia. I'm trying to remember what game was it, was it Bastion? Bastion did that too because they, they had the voiceover. Yeah, so I mean that's yeah. that's basically the 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 way they get around the whole like you know you're you're progressing through these levels like you progress through the plot of a movie, and um, but the idea I mean it has every ridiculous thing you can think of. I mean it's it's got a silly name, Deadly Tower of Monsters. You basically play as like a clean cut you know spaceman spiff looking guy with his little bubble helmet on and you can swap out to be like a 50s tin looking robot and you know a hot woman with alien you know antennae it's really really silly but it's actually like a halfway decent game like it it kind of has a a perspective that's a little bit like diablo sort of like a three-quarter you know over the shoulder sort of isometric looking thing and um god you're doing everything from fight you fight a giant mechanized chameleon um you know you fight chimpanzees, you know, really cheesy looking aliens, like a giant octopus with psychic powers. Like it's just, it's like these little puppy dogs with vacuum cleaners on their heads. It's really weird. Like, but, um, but as the game progresses through the end, the plot gets really weird and there's a lot of like fourth wall breaking stuff happens. And I (laughs) essentially, and I, I feel very comfortable talking about every aspect of this game. I don't expect anybody to ever play it, but the, the final boss of the game is kind of sort of the director you sort of are able to position the screen so that you could go off camera to where the crew and the audio boom and, and the camera are, and you can go beat up the director. It's really weird. So it, it was more fun than I expected it to be. So that was that was a weird little distraction. So if anybody has a free copy of it on their hard drive, it might be fun to play with. I mean, it was, it was kind of entertaining. Um, and then um, I just yesterday... Um, got my hands on Dishonored 2, so I've probably only played about an hour of it, so I, I can't really say anything other than, man, it sure is Dishonored and looks pretty. That's it. That's all I can <laughs> say. Um, I'm I'm doing the pl- the first playthrough as uh, Emily Caldwin. You have to choose which of the two main antagonists or protagonists you want to play as through the whole game. You don't switch them back and forth between like you know like a syndicate thing. Um, you pick one character and you play the whole game with them. So figure she's the one that wasn't in the first game, so I'll play as her. And so far, so good. I'll have much more thoughts of that in the future. Um, and yeah, that's what I've been working on. Jared, what have you been doing? Um, only really a couple things. Uh, so I I actually did do my Dark Souls 3 playthrough, uh, which I did complete. And, and Chris and I are going to talk a little bit about some of the co-op elements of that, actually, because we've gotten into that um, a little bit recently, which has been really fun. And uh, because of that, I actually haven't been playing much of anything else. And, and the reason I say that is because um, the Dark Souls games to me are, are so, and Bloodborne are so about precision that I, I have a hard, if I walk too far away from them, if I lose any of that at all, coming back is just too hard. So like, I just, I can't leave them alone. Like, I, or I'm just, I'm never going to go back to them. Um, I actually felt the same way about um you know, a lot of other games, but this one in like more than almost any. And uh, so I've been playing a ton of that really loving it. Um, I did, did just beat the final boss with Chris uh, yesterday, something like that That really recently. We did a great job. We did. We did. We nailed it. I think the first try. Oh, was it two tries? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But we did. Yeah. 
Yeah, we did really good. Um, and uh, so on the side of that, there was someone playing some phone stuff. And and believe it or not, um, Pokemon Go has actually retained some amount of my attention, and uh, which is almost surprising to me as anything. And there, there have been some changes as part of the reason I think they've they've kept me going a little bit. Um, so one thing they changed is that they added daily rewards. Uh, so now every day, the first Pokemon you catch and the first Pokestop that you spin, you get bonus rewards for that. You get extra Stardust and experience. Um, and then they do that throughout the week. When you hit day seven, you get a a massive amount of stuff on every day seven that you hit. So uh, it gives you kind of a reason to play even a tiny bit every day. Um, so it's kind of cool. But that only happens if you've been at least checking in every day. Yeah, well, I mean, if you haven't played in three days, you play, you'll get a day one reward again. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it'll just reset to day one. And then when you hit day seven again the next day, it'll reset to day one. Um, So, But you do have to maintain playing. And you have to actually catch a Pokemon and spin a Pokestop to get those rewards. Like, you can't just turn the game on. Yeah. uh, but that's a pretty small amount of stuff to do, you know. So that's nice to give you, uh, you know, a way to get a little bit more stuff and experience faster because, um, you know, the speed at which you level, like, grinds to a halt after 20, basically. Um, they also started having some events. So around Halloween, they had an event where certain kinds of spooky Pokemon, you know, would spawn way more and you'd get extra candies to evolve them and stuff like that. So um, they're doing one here on Thanksgiving now, which is a bonus experience event. So that's kind of cool. And then they also um, released Ditto, which, if you're unfamiliar with the character, Ditto, like the name kind of suggests, is a copy Pokemon. He's the only one. So if you throw him out on the field, he copies the Pokemon that's out on the field. Hmm. Um, So people are thinking, okay, how's this going to work for battling in this game? And the way it works is that when your Ditto enters the field, unless what it's looking at is another Ditto, the first attack it will do is transform and it will become that Pokemon it's looking at essentially. Mm -hmm. Now the power of your ditto is relevant because the power or level of it actually will tell you what CP your version of that monster will be. So let's say you go to a gym and there's an Arcanine there, you know, they could be 2000. If your ditto is powerful enough, um, it could, it could conceivably actually be like 2,500. You know, it just depends. Now, how that scales, I don't know. I caught, I did catch one, um, and it's like 400-some CP, so I don't know how that scaling works. As to, it's probably very complicated math, but, um, and in terms of how that'll work with them as defenders and gyms, I don't know. It's going to be weird. But, um, so there are some changes continuing uh, to come with that game. Uh, I think they are really hitting a point where they're going to have to hit a, a pretty major update. I think... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. They haven't announced anything yet. I wouldn't be surprised to see it at or around holiday because um, they probably want to try and sell some Pokemon Go watches, whatever those were called. <laughs> um, so if they think they can get people playing again, they can sell some. Uh, but yeah, so I've still been playing that a little bit uh, too, but almost all Dark Souls, almost all the time. They didn't add any PvP stuff yet, did they? I'd heard that that was something that was on its way at some future update. No, it's just still just the gym battle. So there's okay. no live PvP. It's just... You know, a set thing there that you can attack or train. Um, that's they they have still talked about that, but they haven't uh, done anything like that yet. That'd probably be the easiest way to get people to come back to it because I think that's what everybody really wanted, and it would add a huge new dynamic to the game mm-hmm. rather than a lot of the stuff is just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and then oh, they did do some rebalancing things too. I guess I should mention. So you, you we are going to see 
Um, if you have the game, actually, if you open it, you'll see the CP of many of your monsters is actually changed. And this was a server side change, so it didn't come with an update. Um, so there are certain ones that have been in large part buffed. A few have been nerfed. Um, so you're going to start to see a lot of different stuff in gyms. Because if you if you play this game, you probably notice that you see like Dragonite and Arcanine and Executor. And you see the same few Pokemon in all the gyms because they are just the best monsters. That's going to be a little less likely now. So they're trying to still tinker with it and, and figure it out. Um, more changes like that will probably be yet to come. So impressive. Pretty... I think we had maybe assumed that maybe it would have completely disappeared by now. But yeah, and it seems like they still have some people go. I mean, they're still going live in some countries at yeah. this point, and um, they're toying with a new nearby feature. I think that's one thing that people were mad that went away, but I guess it was crashing the servers. <laughs> so maybe they can get that rolling too. That'll make people happy. Huh. So yeah, that's kind of it's hanging on there. But I think a lot of games like that. I mean, they they have at least somewhat of a niche audience that will kind of keep them hanging on. But whether or not it will continue, it'll be successful like it was at the beginning again. I mean, all we can do is wait and see. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely gonna have to come up with something that's really gonna draw people back. Well, and I wonder if the the Sun and Moon just came out for 3DS. So I wonder if there's mm-hmm. any kind of synergy there where people go to that and then that makes them want to go back to the other one. And yeah, I don't know. Or does it satisfy that Pokemon itch and then they don't feel a need Take to them away back. from it? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a possibility too. So yeah, we'll see. But um, so now we're just going to go ahead and going to jump right into uh, some newer stuff. Some of the reviews we have. So first off, we're going to go with a uh, kind of a, uh, a comparison or versus, I guess, possibly. Uh, so Chris got a hold of uh, Titanfall two and the new call of duty, Infinite Warfare now is what it's called, right? Yes. Then I can never keep yeah. track of all these Call of Duties. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, so Chris, go ahead and, and tell us what you thought about these two. Yeah, this is my do bro minute corner <laughs> for the game. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, I uh, for the last couple of years I've been um, checking out the, the the yearly Call of Duty releases um, just to play the campaigns uh, through Redbox because those games tend to be really short. But also really fun, so it's a, a way mm-hmm. to kind of stay up with it. Um, Advanced Warfare two years ago was fantastic, and I still highly recommend that to anybody who likes those games at all. I thought uh, Black Ops 3 last year was boring as all get out, and I just could not get into that at all. Um, so I didn't get very far in that one. But um, this year, uh, the the big shooter that, if I was excited about a shooter, was was Titanfall, just because it was a game that you know we weren't able to play on a current gen system when the first one came out um unless we wanted to play it on 360 which we might not have even had active you know multiplayer accounts at that point and um and i can say that it's fantastic um and uh and then since i realized that i still wasn't really playing anything else at the time i said hey let's do the same thing with infinite warfare because i forgot that that was out too so it's kind of hard to not think of both of them at the same time in my brain just because I played them so close to one another. But um, <laughs> So the, the general thoughts that I can offer are these are both really, really great games. Um, I had a ton of fun with both of them. Um, starting with Titanfall, um, this is uh, the second game in the series, but the first one to have sort of a dedicated campaign. There was some sort of single-player story stuff mixed in with all the constant online multiplayer stuff in the first game, I guess, but 
I think it was pretty flimsy, just enough to kind of hold the whole thing together. But this is a full-fledged single-player campaign. Uh, the basic uh, gist of a Titanfall is that you are you are a person who's uh, what's his name Cooper, I think, um, who's basically just a, a militia member fighting against whoever the big scary corporate industrial machine is in this game, because there's a different one in the other game. Um, who unexpectedly gets kind of thrown into the fight. He's somebody who's in training to eventually become a pilot. And in the world of Titanfall, a pilot are the people who will actually pilot a Titan. Um, but in addition to be able to get their cool, big mech robot, they also um, have, you know, different parkour skills and you know they're just the best of the best as far as sort of soldiers are so he's in training for that and he kind of unexpectedly gets thrown into it um so you're sort of learning the way that titans work it, it's it's sort of a i guess it follows in the story of the first game i don't know anything about the story of the first game but um but it is just a, a very basic jumping on point for people like us who might not have played it but um it's super super fun i mean you're you're basically partnered up with what seems like a, a relatively experimental new uh class titan uh who goes by the name bt7274 which is just rolls off the tongue and um so he's normally referred to as bt throughout the game and i i honestly i had to make it all the way to the end credits to see who the voice actors were because i was convinced for most of the game that peter collin was the voice of your titan because he sounded so much like optimus prime and let me just say right now that's what every big robot should sound like all robots should sound like optimus prime that is the right voice for a big robot to have so i don't it's think he was yeah, I don't think he was trying to do that voice. I think it just was whoever this guy's voice was. I don't remember. But um, but it's really cool because, um, you know, the other Titans don't have any personality. They're just big mech suits. So he gives you advice. He gives you, um, you know, tips on where to go and how to play. And, of course, because you can play this game in the Titan, now out of the Titan, the story involves you getting separated a lot. But um, I guess one of the things I didn't know was going to be such a big part of the game, you start by playing this uh, this tutorial that basically teaches you how to use weapons, teaches you how to do wall running, you know, double jumping, basic stuff you're going to need to do throughout the game. Um, that stuff is really, really important in the, um, in the campaign to the point where there are large sections of the game that involve very little to no combat, but a ton of platforming. And I didn't know that that was going to be a thing. And and some of those sort of courses they run you through, like I had to play over and over again because they got really, really complicated. Um, some of it was, you know, you're flying through space and there's, you know, the debris of an exploded planet that you have to jump off the different pieces of, like you're the Flash. And then some of it is, you know, having to manipulate big cranes at a construction site to move walls into a place to create areas where you can do parkour stuff. Really, really cool. And um, without giving too much away, there's some really weird stuff that happens in the story, too, that I had no clue was going to be a part of it. It goes to some strange places. And, um, and Jared, if you'll remember some of the, how do I put this, switching components of Guacamelee, mm -hmm. um, this game has something very similar to that. So, you know, imagine being where, you know, you need to get all the way across the hallway where the ground is on fire, but there's only one wall you can run on. But if you had the ability to go somewhere else where there was another wall and switch, it's really crazy. So it gets really complicated, which I found extremely satisfying. I, um, <laughs> I think what I told you guys was like, this is the best first person 
like shooter since Metroid Prime because that's what it reminded me of because I think that was the first first person game I can remember doing a ton of jumping in. Um, and I, a lot of people from some of the other reviews that I've read since playing the game have compared this to um, Half-Life 2 as the way that they felt about how that game had this um, this sort of mystique about it, that it was much more than just a first-person shooter, you know, that it had a really robust story, that it had a lot of interesting puzzle elements and platforming elements. And, and yeah, it just really surprised me. Like, I had no idea that was going to be a part of it. Like, you're going through these levels, really cool locations. Uh, you're fighting these enemy mechs that are, like, cartoon versions of like 90s action hero bad guys so great who all have these like ridiculous accents um and who all you know i don't know where south africans come from in the future in space but everybody sounds like they're australian or south african um it's really really fun so i I can't say enough good things about titanfall 2 i didn't really do anything with the multiplayer uh because i had played through a little bit of that with the little multiplayer beta test what do they call it like a tech test or something like that. A yeah, few months back, and Mike tried that out too. What did you think of that? Um, I, I, I have to say, I did not like it at first, but I kind of stuck with it. And it is just you really kind of have to get used to the playstyle. And once I did, I actually was pretty successful. And I mean, somebody like me, I'm usually not that into uh, multiplayer shooters. Although I do find some that I'm, I'm kind of interested in. Uh, and I, but for the most part, I'm usually not hugely successful because I mean, I just don't have the skill, which is fine, whatever. Um, but that one, I actually found that I could actually contribute to the team. And and I think it was kind of the, the different play style, you know, as I got used to more of the jumping around, it wasn't really a lot of like skill and shooting. It was more of run around like a crazy person. It was kind of like playing Genji in Overwatch. Like the whole point of it is just not to hold still at any point in time and just jump around and jump off things. And, uh, you know, I was able to get to where I could call down mechs pretty regularly, and those were really fun to play with. Um, So I enjoyed it. But I am surprised to hear, you know, so much about, like, how they really built on this story and created this really deep, robust kind of story considering the first game had zero story basically it was just kind of an intro into the multiplayer yeah and i it makes me you know i I hold out hope now that you know when the next battlefront comes out um because the new that new star wars game is going to have a single player component that the the last one kind of didn't so yeah a lot of people were very angry yeah and and they've got you know a tremendous um world to work with and things to draw from so it's it's super exciting, but yeah, I, I I didn't know it would be nearly as I just thought it would be some like big dumb shooty fun like for a little while, and it was that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool, you know, some little emotional moments pulling at your heartstrings, sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just really fun. So I mean, I I really can't recommend that enough. Now that being said, this game was great. Um, Infinite Warfare really surprised me in a lot of ways because. Call of Duty the last couple of years is in this really weird position, I think, where, you know, they've sort of been the unquestioned leader in this world f- for a really, really, really long time, probably since before the first Modern Warfare com- came out. But now they're they're in this strange place where they've, you know, they 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 did World War II to death and then they sort of moved ahead a little bit into Modern Warfare and then beyond that into, you know, near future stuff and then really kind of past near future stuff. And and at this point with this game, they have just completely abandoned all auspices of having 
into the real world <laughs> or to realistic technology, which I think is tremendously to their benefit. So um, very similarly to the way that you play this sort of, uh, you know, you're playing this sort of scrub who doesn't know what's going on in the world in Titanfall. Um, you play a very different character in Call of Duty. Um, the way that this game's set up is you're basically um, somebody who's working for, I don't know, whoever the special forces in this future version of the world is on Earth. Um, against a big force that's formed outside of of the planet um, because you know humans are all over the place now and there's a force called the the sdf which i think stands for like the i don't know something defense force settlement defense force so i think it's 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 everybody who doesn't actually live on planet earth anymore have kind of formed this fighting force to defend their rights as non-earthlings and um and it's it's basically kind of run out of Mars, and um, the main antagonist of the game, the the big bad guy, is Jon Snow. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> and I don't did, did Admiral something. I don't remember what his name is, but he's he's the big bad of the game. Um, so following on, you know, having I, I guess that's probably a step down from having Kevin Spacey a couple years ago, um, or the dude from SVU last year. But yeah, um, I really don't see <laughs> Kit Harrington being that intimidating of a like a an admiral, an evil admiral of this, you know, galactic threat or whatever. I just yeah, really it, strike me as that. It's and it's, cause, maybe it's because he's British. You know, they, they're. <laughs> What are you talking about? They're always the bad guys. That's right. Hasn't Star Wars? Star Wars? (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, but but, so he's kind of this constant threat. Um, You know, one of the things Call of Duty does, like nobody else, except for maybe Naughty Dog, are really, really big set pieces. And um, and and this game is, you know, to no different at all. I mean, the 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 first mission of the game is like you do this like halo drop out of a spaceship onto like the surface of Europa or something like one of Jupiter's moons. So it's like, you are very foreign, <laughs> like we're coming right into this game and that's where you're introduced to the bad guys. And, um, you know, part of your team gets wiped out and, you know, earth doesn't know what's in for it. And then earth gets assaulted. And, um, so basically what you're doing throughout the game is you're, you're tasked with not only being the soldier, in this fleet, but because, you know, a lot of things went real bad for a lot of people, you somehow also find yourself in charge of one of the last big sort of battle cruisers for this earth fleet. So it's this really weird combination of call of duty. Um, It feels very much like mass effect, but slightly less sort of slick futuristic. Like I think mass effect. And I always think of the Citadel, you know, really, really clean lines, really, like Star Trekky future. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have seen any of the show that's been on sci-fi the last year called the expanse. Um, it's a fantastic show. Um, I've read all the books that it's based on and I can't recommend them enough. They're really, really fantastic, but it's, that's a very gritty version, like a hard sci-fi look at what like basically early space colonization would look like, like if we really haven't made it out of the solar system, but we're, you know, we're in the asteroid belt, we're at Mars, we're Saturn, places like that. Um, There's no aliens or anything like that. It's just humans are now off of planet earth trying to colonize other places. And um, so, you know, you get to have it both ways. Like you're in charge of, you get the power fantasy of being in charge of basically the Battlestar Galactica. Um, That's what I thought when you were saying this. It's it's my mind. 
<laughs> well, exactly, right? You know, only a few forces are left after a massive attack. It, it, it feels right. very, very much like that. Um, <laughs> but then you're also like, so you're the commander of this giant ship, and everybody in the world is looking at you saying, like, we need your direction, we need your advice. And it's like, all right, we're going to go in and we're going to clean out this little nest of baddies. I'm going to lead the forces. They're like, you can't do that. Like you're the captain of the ship. No, I'm going to go in and do that too. So it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess you're going to do everything. So, um, so what it does that's interesting and another kind of um, mass effecty feeling thing is that um, as far as I know, this is the first time one of these games have done it. Maybe not. Um, you have the main missions that you have to complete to, in order to just progress the story forward, which if, if you did nothing but that, you basically you get your five to six hour, you know, popcorn movie video game, which is fantastic. But then there's a number of other side missions, I think like nine or 10 or 11 um, optional missions that you choose from a galactic map, which feels very much like Mass Effect. Um, that either means, you know, go check out this derelict battle cruiser or go down to this asteroid surface and clear out these bad guys or go rescue this secret super weapon that we didn't know the enemy had. So you can do that stuff. And, and it even has what seems to be some kind of a, you guys remember galactic readiness? No. <laughs> that was the percentage that had to build up in Mass Effect before you decided oh. to go end it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So there's something like that. Like when you look at these missions, it gives you a percentage like, you know, chance for success, 80%, chance for success, 65%. And I would assume that as you complete more of those more likely to be successful missions, the percentages go up for the other ones. I didn't do enough of them to see that there was a change there. I was also playing the game on its easiest setting because when I'm when I'm playing games this way, like my goal is to get through them because I, I want to return it by the next day because um, I want to have a lot of fun for $3.20. Um, but... Uh, yeah, the, those missions are really fun and they, you know, they give you a chance to try out, you know, some of the different aspects of it. You know, the, the on the ground shooting feels very much like a, a Call of Duty game. Not a lot of changes there other than some very futuristic weapons, but there's also um, zero gravity fighting, which is super fun, which feels like Ender's game. So they're stealing from another sci-fi property there. Um, and um where you're just basically like floating around in zero gravity fighting, you know, other soldiers flying around in zero gravity. And it's crazy because your main weapon is this kind of like, you know, scorpion spear that you can throw out at people, pull towards you and do just the most horrible things to them. Like crack their helmet on your knee so that they suffocate in space or tear their helmet off and hear their last scream before their lungs collapse. Like, Oh my God. It's like, crazy or just shoot them with guns you can do that too um but but it's really fun you can move from that large scale battle down to you know where you're actually like fighting on a little asteroid hiding behind cover um and then the other big thing it does is um dog fighting in spaceships because that's awesome and um and that's really fun i mean it, it's it's pretty simplified if you've played any like like afterburner like a really arcadey kind of fighting jet game um it feels a lot like that you basically just look for the reticles of the bad guys, you know, hold L2 to lock onto them. The ship then basically flies itself. So you can focus on gunning them down. But then a lot of the missions you kind of, you know, you show up in this giant space battle, you and all your fellow soldiers are flying around, taking out the little pilots. And then once they're all gone, you can dock your ship down onto the battle cruisers, you know, get out and then fight an on the foot mission seamlessly with no loading inside the ship where you know the perspective changes and it's just really really cool um 
so I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. It, it plays really fast. And like Titanfall, you get a cool robot because it wouldn't be the future if you didn't have a cool robot. So um, <laughs> you don't get a giant mech, but you basically get um, a robotic soldier whose name is Ethan. I think his name is like E3N, and that everybody just calls him Ethan, um, who's basically just – he's a human-sized robot who is – just basically looks like a person, but is super strong and, you know, very hard to kill because he's not alive. Um, but he, he doesn't talk like a robot. He talks basically like a person. He makes jokes throughout the game about, you know, he'll make some observation about something and somebody will say like, you know, Ethan, that's, that's really human of you to say something like that. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, my, my brain is from a farmer that was in Kansas and, you know, I, I miss my family. And they're like, really? And he's like, no, I'm a robot. I don't have anything like that. Like, it's really, it's really <laughs> funny. Like, it's a very, very dry humor. Like, he's not cracking jokes. He's not claptrap. He, but he's just, he's one of your soldiers. And he, you know, a lot of people don't trust him because he's not human, but he sort of wins over the 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 other people that you're fighting with and becomes a really really important part of your team so it's 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 really really fun so as much as i love my big optimus prime mech in titanfall like i might have liked ethan even better just because he's such a good character and was so much fun to to have on all your missions you don't make choices about any of that stuff he just shows up and goes along for the ride Um, so i have a question yes you're in the future and you have the ability to make these super soldier robots yeah. Why do you have soldiers at because, all? Because a whole army of these guys. <laughs> so that comes into play a couple different times because you know you're, the humans basically are using. I think Ethan as a combat robot is a relatively new development. Like he's kind of experimental. He's sort of a new thing on the scene. There's no. a lot, of, a lot of human-sized mechs that already exist that are mainly like labor bots and. Um, so one of the things that you'll find a lot is occasionally you'll see them on your side kind of helping you fight. But then um, there, there's a lot of enemy robots. There's a there's a level that's very cool. It's basically like a horror mission where you're going to an abandoned uh, space fleet and, you know, the, the crew is dead. Everybody's gone and you can't really figure out why. And what seems to happen is... Um, you know, it, it's trying to figure out well, what could have killed them. And Ethan's walking around saying, like, well, you know, there's been stories about the programming of these robots, like, turning on their turning on their masters. Like, you know, really bad stuff's happened. And they're like, oh, my God, you're serious? And he's like, no, I'm just making that up. That's not a thing that happens. Robots don't hurt people. So it's, it's more of the joking <laughs> stuff. But that is actually kind of what happened. But I think you find out that, you know, the, the SDF, the bad guy, you know, Jon Snow figured out how to control the bad robots. <laughs> I mean, that's just who he is. Like, it's, there's no getting around that. Um, but uh, so so they're not really that effective in battle to the point that towards the end of the game, uh, yeah, it's not really giving anything away. Ethan gets put in charge of basically an army of other robots. And uh, he's really proud to be in that role. But he gets to a point where he's like, sir, I don't know how to tell you this. But they're dumb, like really dumb. <laughs> so, so they're not they're not soldiers the way he is. They're basically just cannon fodder. So he yeah. can just basically like go over there and get killed. So we can do the real work over here. So I think I think that's kind of the answer to that. But um, but yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, it it, it builds up to some pretty epic, you know, final missions. And I will say that um, a lot of characters in this game do not make it to the end. Um the vast majority, I will say. And the game does this thing that I've never seen before, which I think is was really effective. Like, Call of Duty's kind of gotten some crap the last couple of years because I think for as much as 
you can take it as just a really dumb popcorn game or as a game that the vast majority of people who buy it don't even really touch the single player. They just buy it for the multiplayer. Um, And it was funny because every time I unlocked a trophy, I would look at the rarity and almost every trophy I got was like ultra rare, probably (laughs) because I was just playing the single player. Um, So that made me feel good. Um, But uh, there's always this kind of, despite all that and, you know, the 14 year olds making racist slurs to each other playing online there's it tries to take itself very seriously you know it's like between missions and every time you die it'll show you like a quote from general Patton or something from like the start of world war ii like war is hell like it it, it, it takes itself very seriously in this game whenever that kind of stuff happens it's just a quote from the enemy's forces that are basically like death is no dishonor you will all be assimilated like it's really cheesy stuff so then at the end of the game, it really surprised me because it pivots. And during the end credits of the game, you're basically given this gallery that's in the background of the screen as the credits are scrolling. And as you guys know, the credits for these games take an hour and a half to go by because there's a billion people who work on these games now. Um, but while that's happening and you're just ignoring all the words going by on the screen, there are portraits of all of the characters in the game who didn't make it and if you select them with you know either one of the face buttons or something on the d-pad it'll basically play a message that they've like recorded for their family or for their wife or for their children in case they ever didn't make it through a mission and that was really surprisingly like emotional like, you know, sometimes to the point of like, you know, last of us levels of emotional, which is surprising because you're not, you don't spend enough time with any of those characters really to kind of get that much of an understanding, but it's some of the best writing I've seen in games in a long time. And it just, it kind of shocked me because you don't expect to see something like that. It would be like all of a sudden, like Nathan Drake becoming extremely serious and dramatic, like amidst all of his <laughs> wisecracking and murder spree that he does. Um, so so that just to have that be kind of the capping on that I was like oh my god this game is amazing so I mean I've I've played most of the the modern Call of Duty games now this is by far my favorite like not even close um modern warfare is great advanced warfare is fantastic this is way 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 better than those so i I, i'd say if people have the ability to play either of these two games they should they should play both of them but if i had to you know buy one to go back to um at this point it would probably be call of duty but titanfall is fantastic so i think once the price goes significantly down which it will do quickly on both these games i'll probably pick them both up like they're really cool Hmm. so don't know what else to say about that, but yeah, man. Future war, space, robot, bang, bang, shooty. So kill. when you're saying you would pick up both these games, is that to play the single player over again, or would you actually play the multiplayer? I think that I would, if I was going to play the multiplayer, it would probably be for Titanfall because I, you know, like you said, like it's pretty fun. Like it, it feels different than um, just playing like, you know, any other multiplayer shooter just because of the speed, because of the mobility. And I like that they do the thing where they populate the battlefields not only with um, with uh, friendly titans and enemy titans and enemy you know, pilots that are you know, real people, but they also put out all these grunts all over the field that are basically just other soldiers. So I remember the first time I went into a multiplayer map, I felt like I was just amazing because I'm just getting kill after kill after kill after kill until I realized like, oh, I'm not actually killing the other people that are playing this game. I'm just killing these other soldiers that are also (laughs) on the field. But it gives it this sense of like 
this massive scope. Like you're actually on this force that's fighting for whatever planet the map is on. So I well, really like also, that. It probably helps you unlock uh, the Titans. So it allows even people maybe that aren't the greatest of you know multiplayer shooter players to still be able to access probably the main thing that everybody's playing in order to do you know which is yeah and the and the progress system i think is a little bit different in that than than traditional games like any one weapon that you're using i think levels up as you're using it kind of like a an elder scrolls game but then that also is leveling up your your character overall um you you can choose your loadout which kind of determines what mech you have um in the single player campaign as you acquire the different weapons that BT is able to use, he basically then takes on the attributes of all of the different Titan types. So it's cool because as you're playing through the game, you basically get to be any of those Titans that you want to. And then you can, you can swap out that loadout and that power set at any time just by using the D-pad. So you don't have to choose it at the beginning of every mission. You can just change on the fly, which is really cool because you'll find one that uses flamethrowers or one that uses you know, gravity attacks. And, and sometimes one works better than the others. I basically picked one that I liked and just played with it through the entire game. But, um, but I mean, I, I, I've watched some of the Infinite Warfare multiplayer. I really don't. I mean, it's, it's, it's just Call of Duty multiplayer. I, I might. I will say I played um, Advanced Warfare's multiplayer way after the fact of playing the game because I found out my nephews really liked playing it online. So they said, "Oh, Uncle Chris, you got to get a PS3 copy of Advanced Warfare so you can play multiplayer with us." And we did that for a while. It was fun. Like they're way better than I am, but um, <laughs> but we had a good time either just playing against each other or playing with other people. And I think it's because Advanced Warfare has a lot of that. It's really fast, a lot of double and triple jumping, so the mobility is crazy fast for that. And I think that Black Ops 3 and then Infinite Warfare was a step back from that stuff. And at this point, once you get a chance to see what that feels like to move really fast, like that, I like that. That's really, that appeals to me. So to go back to something that's more like a traditional shooter that I'm never going to be that good at, like, eh, I, I can't see that I would want to go back to that. So, but yeah, I mean, I, you, just playing through the single player of, of these games, I think would be a, a ton of fun, you know, you know, once every couple of years, I think it would be really cool. Great voice acting, you know, unbelievable. The, the graphics tech at this point is just, I mean, it's like, I, I'm done letting my jaw hit the floor when I see what games look like anymore. Like every, <laughs> every big game looks unbelievable. So, you know, exciting time, exciting time to be alive. <laughs> All right, very very cool. So yeah, those I I I think I'm interested in, in Titanfall too. I don't know that I will bother with Call of Duty. Um, I think I would rather go with the new Battlefield over that. Um, but uh, we'll go ahead and move on to uh, something a, a little bit different. So you know, Jared has gotten a hold of the Dark Soul, the new uh, Dark Soul game, and of course, uh, you know, Chris has always been really into those. So they got together and got to do a lot more of the co-op stuff and some of the DLC. So. Uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit more about uh, your co-op experience with getting kicked in the groin? If you <laughs> yeah, two, and groin two groins are better than one. That's true. Yeah, it, it, uh, we can take turns getting kicked, so that's nice. Um, yeah, so, you know, in my estimation, and Chris, you can tell me if you agree, but the two things that people really love about the Souls kind of series is the boss battles mm -hmm. and the exploration. You know, like those are the two things that are really, really fun. Um, for me, the exploration is the more fun of the two. Right. Which, which may put me in a minority, actually, among Souls players. But that's what I really like, that like, oh, which way do I go and test and, you know, new enemies and figuring them out. And like, I really like that. And then the boss battles I like, but, 
you know, in this game, like in many of them, you know, I can get through a lot of the early ones, but then as you start to get later, they just start to get ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Insane. So I was probably about two thirds of the way through the game and I was like, you know, I'm just going to start seeing about this, about co-oping. And I thought, well, and, and it's really, I thought it'd be more fun. So I did some with some strangers, but I did most of it with Chris. Um, to be honest, because it's just a little more fun when you can really communicate instead of just trying to, you know, use emotes to figure stuff out, like pointing and waving at people. <laughs> None of it makes any sense. Um, so we did a lot of that together, and that was that was a lot of fun doing it. Some of the co-op elements. I did. Uh, I have done some of the PvP getting invaded stuff too, which was pretty cool. Um, I got killed by an invader. I killed one invader, and then Chris and I slaughtered one invader who came in when we were together. That was fun. <laughs> That was, a, a ch- that was a dumb thing for him to do. Yeah, well, I don't think he could have known that, but um, yeah, uh, he came in right when Chris and I had started a co-op, and we're like, "All right, like if you want to get killed by us, that's fine." Um, so that was kind of interesting, though, to get invaded, and uh, even though you know I ended up getting slaughtered at one point, I was so close to a bonfire, it really didn't matter. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've been in. Uh, you know, the game was phenomenal. You know, Chris had his full review of it, but. You know, for anyone who likes these games, it's it's it was great. I mean, it was great in all aspects, and and the co-op's been fun. And and uh, I don't know if I'm going to pick up the DLC or not. I might wait for it to get cheap and for the second one to come out and buy them together. At some yeah, point and, and and even at this point, if you decided to do it, the the season pass is definitely the least expensive way to get it because you get a significant discount on whatever the next thing's going to be. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. There's definitely this sort of, you know, like you talked about, you know, being in the groove of being good at those games, Mm -hmm. the deliberate nature that it takes, you know, once you kind of get to some sort of climax with that and feel like you've got some breathing space, if you get out of it, it can be very, very hard to get back into it again. So, I mean, you're at a point now, like having beat the final boss of the game and watched the credits roll that if you were to take a step away for a while, like, eh, that's fine. Um, I will say, like, I, I have played through the, the DLC, um, the first pack of the DLC, Ashes of Arendiel or something like that, um, which is basically a Hoth level. Like, it's a snow world. Um, very similar to a, a part of the original Dark Souls game, uh, which I don't know if I said this, but Dark Souls 3 is just a, a compilation of callbacks to the original Dark, Dark Souls game, which some people love, some people just think is stupid and gratuitous. But um, it has... Uh, two really really fantastic boss battles and you know it other than playing with jared at this point i've just basically going through and playing co-op to help other people beat those bosses because they're really difficult um and so you know the advantage for you being able to check that out is you know you would be able to probably get through the content in not a tremendously long period of time but then to be able to again you know fight with other people when when that's interesting and at this point i'm just doing it mainly to to build up the currency that i need to be able to summon in other people when next year's DLC comes out. So, um, you know, this game doesn't force you to go to new game plus when you beat it. So I'm, I'm just keeping my very strong, very high leveled character where Jared and I, Jared and I got to go shopping together. We went to Firelink shrine and we looked at the, the boss weapons that we could buy and we checked them out. (laughs) We were sharing our experiences with each other. Um, but uh, which is super fun. But like you, you put it in a, a really good way. That one point we were playing and we we're having a lot of fun. And you're like, this is great. It's just very different. 
Like it's a very, very different game when you're playing with another person. Oh yeah. Particularly somebody who's in your party. Because I I really like playing with strangers and doing the emote thing and, and I've had the fortunate experience a lot of times of having getting invaded by characters that I just can't possibly beat, but I at least make it fun enough for them that they send me a message on PSN and go, oh, that was cool. And then we become friends and then we start co-oping and killing other people. <laughs> so that's really fun. Um, but but being able to actually like strategize together is really fun. Like it's nice. get this weapon, get this shield. I'm having luck with it. What are you wearing for this? Because I don't know if it's working for me. Right. Um, there's still this King jerk face guy oh, that's yes. sort of your final thing we got to take care of no and I, I would like to beat him there's one boss that's that's uh an optional boss but he's considered in large part by the whole community to be the hardest boss in in the game and, and maybe in any of the games maybe it's tough, tough to say that but definitely in in three and he just keeps see that's part of the reason that maybe i like the exploration more is i think i'm better at it like i think i'm just not that good at the boss battles. They're very, very difficult. Um, maybe I'm not patient enough. I don't know what it is. Because um, that's that's one thing. This game is like systems on top of systems. You know, like like the way you spec yourself for things is very important. The way you set up your character is very important. And I think the, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I like about this game, but also that I liked about Bloodborne is it actually cut a lot of that out. Yeah. Bloodborne was much more streamlined. You know, like if you got a new weapon, you could just use it. I didn't have to be like, oh, well, what's my... Sh- oh, I can't use this weapon because I have 10 less strength than it requires and it'd be useless to me, you know? Right. What can happen in Dark Souls, you need to spec for certain, you know, weapons and equipment to use those things. And, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of in-depth systems and I know I don't understand those fully either. I understand them enough to do well, but not enough, I think, to necessarily... Um, you know, have huge success with the bosses and, you know, you could take time testing those things. Like there are people that will go in with certain kinds of defenses and just, just map what kind of damage they take and then die and change it and go back. Yep. Like, oh, okay, this time I'm taking this much damage. Okay. Therefore their, their, their attacks, you know, are this based and, and they'll do the same with their attacking. Like it's nuts. Um, I usually just YouTube those videos instead. Uh, to be honest, like I'll, I'll, I'll go into the, <laughs> I'll, I'll go into most fights you know, kind of without looking anything up if I can first, like I like to do that. But at some point, if I'm just getting reamed, I'll just be like, all right, let me look up something to just see like what type of weapon damage they do. So I, like, I can spec myself right and things like that. Cause I think it is, I did, you know, it is fun to, to, to go in there with no idea what you're, you're getting into, you know, like as much as you're going to get creamed, like that, that's kind of fun, but getting creamed 20 times in a row can get a little overwhelming. Well, and everything that we were working on together was all end game stuff. So I oh, mean, yeah. it was the most difficult stuff in the game. So yeah, I mean, the chances that one of us would walk into the room and one would immediately die, like that was relatively high. That was plausible. <laughs> and then you're just basically scrapped and have to try it all over again. Yeah. So, but that uh, that game's great, and the, the added co op elements I do think adds something really good to the game. Um, I do I do like that they're there. And that you can ignore them if you yeah, want. Yeah, that they're totally optional. Mm-hmm. So I thought that the co-op elements they added to this um, were were really great. And I know there's a lot of that now in Bloodborne too. Um, you know, some of that was kind of put in after release, I think, or made more in depth. Um, I haven't gotten a lot to the PvP, and I don't think I will. Um, I have gone and just helped some people fight some bosses for fun to just kind of rework those bosses with someone else's. It, it was actually kind of fun. I did that for like an like an hour last night. I just kept jumping to different boss fights and helping people. That's, that was actually kind of cool. 
to yeah. do that, that part of it too. So it's enjoyable. And the PVP has taken on such a life of its own that I feel like it, like I feel about most competitive multiplayer, like it can, maybe I can get to a point where I can have fun, but I'll never get to a point where I can be, you know, that good. <laughs> no, no, I never will. I'll just get creamed. And the hard part is that it's, there's like a, a, a bit of a limit to how much you can do it because you have to be embered. So that's kind of rough with some of the, those things. So, but super fun co-oping definitely liked it a lot and uh we'll see you know i don't know what they have moving forward because miyazaki said he's done right so they've got three games coming out they've got one that will probably be a new armored core because that was a series of game they used to make that they haven't made in a long time um so that'll be kind of interesting to see what their giant mech game would look like for a modern age Mm -hmm. um they said there's a new game that is in sort of the spirit of something dark souls people will like so i think the speculation for that is it's bloodborne too well i hope Um, so and then there's another thing that they are like not offering any details about at all so i don't know what that could be but yeah as far as you know dark souls proper that that's kind of you know on hold but you know that's i think they're just looking at it as you know those three games are just one aspect of what now is a five game Right. universe you know roughly connected to each other by by battle systems more than anything else mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i mean i if there's a world where every game plays like this like i would be so happy <laughs> like i just <laughs> well, love this game play so much i don't need them all but yeah i like that they're still going with that and i think i mean they'd be just stupid not to make a bloodborne too wow uh you know and that that'll be that'll be really interesting actually because in my estimation one of the things that dark souls the the soul series really has over bloodborne at this point is the depth of lore you know oh yeah that that's something that investigating i've really enjoyed about dark souls as well as bloodborne but they'll have a real chance to to really expand upon the the lore base if they make a bloodborne too and that could be really interesting yeah and and you know diving into that that whole other world of you know people who've sometimes literally made their actual paid career out of diving into the the lore possibilities of you know what's going on in in these games it's it's crazy because there's like just enough actual factual supportable information to you know get you 70 to 80 percent of the way there and then the rest of it you have to kind of just sort of make a case for and similar to the way that i on on previous episodes had mentioned a lot of sort of ancillary podcasts and books and other things i was recommending to people there's uh there's something on in the internet i'm not sure exactly how to find it you probably just google it that's called the pale blood hunt um and it's 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 what this this document this guy's put together that he calls a bloodborne analysis that's like 90 pages long which is basically like his attempt to in one document like aggregate everything that people have done about the story for that game, which is not as in depth as the other ones, but mm-hmm. I mean, a really, really fun read if, if you know anybody's interested in that. And then another thing that we'll have to talk about at some point is there's now a Bloodborne card game and a really elaborate, cool looking Dark Souls board game um, mm-hmm. that's going to be coming out. And I would be very interested to check those out because, you know, a lot of the systems, despite the fact that it's an action game are, are based very heavily on, you know, D and D type dice rolls and, you know, character specs and stuff like that. So I can see that that could work really well. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah. And I'm with you. My, my favorite place to get information actually is from that, uh, um, YouTuber Vadi Vidya. Vadi. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, his, uh, 
his lore is really good. And when he is speculating, he'll let you know. And when, when he's, you know, taking things directly from, which mostly is from item descriptions, actually, which is where you get most stuff, which is interesting. Cause I, ne- I never used to look at those. And now if I get a new item, it's like the first thing I do is I look at the item description to see where it fits into kind of this lore that I've, I've kind of immersed myself in at this point. So, yeah. um, but he's been the source for a lot of those things for me. I, I really like his ch- channel. Um, you know, he's, he's still putting stuff out too. He's, he, he'll go into, like all the minor characters and figure out their stories and stuff. Like it's, it's a, uh, it's pretty fun. So I I can't recommend um, checking him out enough. And he's got some other people that he, he works with that he'll kind of expand you out to with some links, but yeah, he's uh, pretty regularly a guest on that um, bonfire side chat. Not, podcast. Yeah, not surprising. <laughs> yeah. So it's been uh, pretty friggin' sweet, man. So, and then Chris and I are intending to play the bloodborne DLC now. Um, at some point. So we'll get to you guys on that and seeing how that's different, but I'm actually um, kind of excited to get back to the, to bloodborne here at some point um, in the near future. I think I'll be doing that pretty soon. So yeah, look forward to more co-op kicks to the groin. We're going to, we're going to come back to you with it. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Yeah, no, you no, wake you, up. Guys, you can wake up now. You guys have fun with that. No, <laughs> uh, I just, I can't insist enough that that would be an entry point for you as bloodborne. Like for for anyone, if someone is thinking about trying to find their way into this group of games, and you're like, ah, it seems intimidating. See, At least know that not. that is probably the best <laughs> because of the streamlining. Like, uh, even if for some odd reason I were to play Bloodborne and think like, oh my gosh, this is really amazing, I would still never go and play the other souls games because i played them and i just do not like that gameplay and that's the whole thing is you guys keep talking about the main reason why you love those games is because of the gameplay well it's the main reason why i dislike those games so yeah and that 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 doesn't change much so if that's a hurdle to get over that's kind of a rough one yeah exactly so yeah but anyway you guys you guys get to have fun with that i play XCOM. you know we make it work (laughs) we are a diverse community of three all right so uh (laughs) Uh, next up is uh, uh, I'm going to do kind of a, a brief little thing because uh, there's been some recent additions onto Overwatch that I've gotten to try out, uh, as well as I'm going to talk about a little future stuff that they just announced um, that should be kind of cool. So uh, Overwatch just came out with a new uh, patch, which included a new character, a new map, and uh, a bunch of tweaks uh, to uh, some different modes. Um, so the first thing I'll, I'll talk about is the new character. Her name is Sombra, uh, a really interesting character. She's like a hacker. Um, so her, her primary thing is, is, of course, hacking out on the battlefield. She does have a, uh, a submachine gun, which if you play the game, they say that it's very similar to uh, Soldier 76's assault rifle. It's similar in range, and uh, you know, it fires pretty quick. I think maybe a little bit faster than his and has a lot more bullets, um, but its it spray is a lot wider, um, while his you know, stays pretty spot on, like hers spreads a little bit more. Um, but her... Uh, secondary fire is actually she hacks stuff. So um, you can hack different things. You can hack uh, health packs, um, which this is actually kind of an interesting uh, play style in that when you hack a health pack, it it makes it to where the enemy team is no longer able to use that health pack. So if you see like an enemy team member who's low on health running for a health pack and you hack it, they actually can't get it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your team can still get it. And on top of that, it's refresh is increased dramatically. So you can heal up really fast. Um, at the health packs, especially the small ones, they just pop up like repeatedly. Uh, so it can be a, a nice thing for holding a point or uh, pushing through, uh, you know, a chokehold that the enemy is holding. 
so it can add a lot of interesting stuff. And of course, you can hack, hack enemy players. Uh, when you hack them, it makes it to where they can't use abilities for a certain amount of time. Uh, which, you know, at first you don't think is that big, but with some characters, without their abilities, they kind of really don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And um, especially with, uh, like, tanks, like Reinhardt. If she hacks Reinhardt, his shield goes down. So if the whole team is sitting there hiding behind Reinhardt's shield and you drop his shield, then your team is able just to unload. If you time that with an ultimate or something like that, you can see it would be very effective. Um, uh, she also has an ability to turn invisible and when she's invisible, uh, she runs very fast. So it lasts for about 15 seconds. So you can get around the map and, uh, circle around enemy objectives and stuff like that pretty quickly. And you can hack while you're invisible. So you can sneak up behind the team and hack them and then you'll pop out of invisibility and can attack them. Are you when, and I was trying to figure this out when I was playing the other day with, mm-hmm. are are you actually completely invisible? Are you shimmering like the predator? Like how does yes. that? Okay. They did say that um, if you get close enough to people, they will see kind of like a shimmer, kind of like. Oh, okay. So you're not one hundred percent invisible. If you do get right up in their face, they will see you. Yeah, with the um, chaos of this, the way that game's played, though, you're, no one's going to probably ever see. Focus you. on that no. level. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard to notice her. Um, I, I will say, if you take any amount of damage or take any kind of aggressive move, then you do come out of invisibility. Right, right. Um, and it only lasts for like 15 seconds, so it's not like you're invisible for that long. And if um, you're somebody who's been hacked, how is that represented on like your HUD? Um, you get this big red skull appears on your, oh. your, your screen. That's like her symbol, is this skull. Oh. Um, and then all of your abilities show little uh, red circles with red cross like uh slashes across them. oh like sorry i can't so, use that yeah cool. and uh so yeah it can be pretty effective it can shut down some so even some ultimates uh so uh it can really kind of destroy a team's plan um and then her her last basic ability that she has is she can throw out this little kind of beacon um and it lasts for i think 15 seconds as well somewhere around there and if you press that button again at any point in time within that time span you teleport back to that beacon. So you could use it to circle around the enemy team. You can use it to flash yourself back to a safe point, um, kind of like Tracer's Recall. So uh, that can be also a very effective way to either like protect yourself or maneuver on the battlefield. Um, so she's you know obviously an attack character or assault because um, she's built to kind of really hit hard. She's not built to kind of sit in the back. She's built to kind of move around. And her ultimate is um, an EMP. So she lets out this pulse that covers a very wide area. And any enemy caught within that area basically gets hacked. So they're not able to use abilities. It also removes pretty much all shields. And that includes uh, for Lucio's uh, ultimate when he drops the sound barrier where everybody gets those massive shields that are constantly replenishing. If she drops her EMP right after that, those all get removed. Nice. So I've seen teams come in and do like, you know, Lucio drops his sound barrier and they start charging in thinking like, oh, we're good. And then Sombra comes in and drops her EMP and then they just get annihilated because they're all out in the open thinking they're safe. And then they just totally get creamed. So uh, she definitely adds a little bit of a, a you got to think a little bit more before you charge in behind some kind of shield, whether it be a tank or an ultimate or whatever. Um, especially if she's around and you all in, you know, while other characters you can kind of keep an eye on or you can see them kind of trying to sneak around. I mean, with her different abilities, she can get behind you very easily without being seen. So she, she makes you keep your head on a swivel a little bit more than you used to. So she's uh, really fun. I've gotten to play with her a lot. I really enjoy her. Um, 
Uh, so she's a, a, a really cool addition. And, uh, you know, we're uh, looking forward to, to the more characters that they add. Um, they did also add a new map. Um, it's uh, it's in our Antarctica, but it's only used for uh, two new game modes. So the new thing that they added that's the really big cool thing is they added a new arcade section to it. So, uh, you know, they used to have these weekly brawls where every week they'd have a different kind of special, you know, battle that you could do, whether it was, you know, all of a certain hero or maybe all mystery heroes or, or whatever. So now those are all located in one section. So when you go into the arcade, there's actually uh, five different choices you can make. So there's two uh, now new smaller battles, which these take place on the new Antarctica map because it's a much smaller map. So it's built for these smaller battles. Um, there's a one versus one mystery duel where it's you versus another person. You don't get to pick what character you get. It just randomizes it, um, but you both get the same character. So you basically get to see who's who's better at which character. Um, and it's a best of battle. I think it's like best of seven or something like that. It's a lot. So, uh, you know, each and each round you do a different character. Uh, then there's the the 3v3 elimination. Uh, so that's a team battle. It's not uh, that one. You do get to pick your characters. Um, and I should say a new thing to it now is uh, there's there is a new battle where it's a, a six versus six with no limits on characters. Because uh, now every other mode, like the, if you do the quick play or if you're in um, uh, the the competitive season, you can only have one of each character on a team. So you won't be running into these teams that have like, you know, six Torbjorns dropping turrets or something like that. Uh, yeah, I've um, seen teams running like, when they're on attack, so things running like two or three like tanks, and it actually makes them almost like impossible to take down with any speed. And, and, and Well, you can still forward. do multiple tanks. It's just like there will only be one like Reinhardt or no, but if there's like we well, actually in particular it was multiple Reinhardts that you usually would do. Oh yeah, and, uh, well, that... I mean, you just got to use the right character to kind of get around them. But yeah, there there were certain characters like yeah, if you had just a ton of Torbjorns, it did make it kind of difficult sometimes to get past them mm-hmm. without having like a ton of snipers. So it just kind of really slowed the game down. So now there is a game mode um, inside the arcade where if you want to play one of those where you can play like six of tracers then you can go there <laughs> um so yeah so with the the 3v3 elimination like i said you, you uh, each pick there's three characters on each team uh and it's when a uh, uh one of your teammates gets killed or you kill an opponent they don't respawn like it's literally when you die you die um and that's another best of match so it's you know whichever team has a, a at least one player left at the end of the match you know wins and it's like a best of i think five or something like that um, and that's also on the Antarctica map. So that one's kind of interesting because it it, it definitely makes it where you really kind of have to choose your characters properly because it's a lot smaller. There's no real objective. It's just literally battling. So, you know, you might want to have a healer to heal you up, but then the healers aren't really as great, you know, dealing damage. So you have to kind of take that into consideration. Um, then there's the, uh, I said the, the, you know, the 6v6, no limits. So however many you want. Then there's uh, 6v6 mystery heroes. So if you want to play one where, you know, you don't get to pick a hero, um, it assigns you one randomly, and then every time you die, it assigns you a new one. Uh, I kind of like, like that game mode. It's just... No, it is fun, because it kind of kills any... You know, people can't get stuck on the same one. They, it's really It makes, you know, forming a, a battle plan really kind of interesting, because you could end up with, like, you know, three healers, and you're like, what am I going to do with that? Yeah, just run it and die so you can get a new character. 
yeah, I do see people do that, which I think is stupid. I think the point of the game that is to really get to try out other characters and just have fun with it. Yeah, but if you get overloaded um, with healers, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, but that's part of the game. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is actually really cool. It's a, it's a brawls list. So every single brawl that they've made, plus any new ones that they make, um, so like they had the one that was like the airborne supremacy. That's like, uh, you either picked Farah or, um, mercy. Uh, then there was the one that was charged where it was either Reinhardt or Lucio, uh, you know, all those random little, uh, brawls that they made up that's in that list. So when you go into that, you'll get like a random game mode each time. So if you want a lot of variety to what you're doing uh, with uh, some cool little twists, um, then that's a really good thing to do because it's that interesting playlist that will add stuff. Um, but one of the coolest things about it is now there's weekly rewards with the arcade modes. So for each win, you get this little blip. And uh, each time you get three wins, you get a loot crate. When you can do this up to three times each week. So you could theoretically, if you win nine arcade modes, you get three loot crates. Um, on top of all the XP that you're gaining. So that was a really nice thing because getting loot crates was always kind of a pain because you basically had to wait till you leveled up. Mm-hmm. Um, so now there's a, a, a new way to get loot crates without having to just grind through levels or you know spend money. Um, so I, I thought that was really great that they added that in, uh, which was uh, really, really helpful. So yeah, um, they, did they add a new for Halloween? They did a PVE event. Yes. And, um, are they talking about any more of that? Because that that's that like was really interesting. Yeah, I mean they had the the Junkenstein's Revenge or or whatever, mm-hmm. where yeah, you battle the little bots. It was a a four player like horde mode, um, which I talked about on one of the previous episodes. Um, I, they didn't necessarily say about doing that, but I'm sure they'll continue to do events very similar, like kind of like what Destiny does, where when certain holidays come around, they'll do like an event that goes with it. Um, you know, like uh, so far Overwatch has done it for, they did it for the Olympics and now for the Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, they haven't said anything about doing anything for like Christmas holidays or anything, but I'm sure they will continue to do stuff like that. Whether or not they will add in any more modes like that, or if something like that will eventually be added in as a, uh, a permanent kind of game mode. I, I don't really, I haven't heard anything about that. Okay. Um, so- but, uh, what? Yeah, I was just saying, we'll see. I, wasn't, I just thought that was an interesting addition because I'm the. No, it, it was fun. Against the bots, but that's really just training. Like, they're. Yeah. It's the, like the having those like mini boss battles included and stuff. The was, boss battles in there, I think, made that better. If it would have just, yeah. just been the bots, that would have been really boring because I was, I was really disappointed at first. But then when the bosses all start pouring out, then it, I was like, okay, this is actually interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't mind for them to add more stuff like that. Um, but uh, speaking of adding stuff, they just added some new stuff to the PTR um, that uh, most people seem to be kind of excited about. Um, and they've talked about some new stuff they're going to be adding. Uh, they are going to be making a new map called Oasis. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a regular size map or, uh, you know, because the only map for the really small uh, verses, like the one and the three uh, V3, there's just the one map, which is the Antarctica. So it would be nice to add some variety to that. The only thing is it would only be for those two. So. I don't know. That's going to be kind of interesting. And they mentioned that there will be a new thing in that map with uh, jump pads where you can step on them and they boost you up really high. Ooh. So that should be kind of interesting and fun to kind of play around with. And they said that um, if that is successful and people seem to enjoy it, they will consider adding that into future maps or even maybe even adding it into already existing maps. Um, so that could be interesting to see what happens on that side of things. Um, but the other thing they did is they did a lot of tweaks to uh, Symmetra, mm-hmm. who's a character that I don't think... 
I don't think she's not picked that much or anything like that. I don't think she's a character that's neglected, but I think she's definitely a character that people don't automatically gravitate towards because just her play style is, is very different from a lot of other characters. Um, you know, you'll even see people post videos of being like an aggressive Symmetra because that's kind of a weird thing. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, Symmetra is a character who can set up all these little turrets um, her attack is uh, uh, this kind of beam. The nice thing about it is you don't have to aim. It kind of just seeks onto somebody, but it's very, very short range. Um, and her big thing is she can create an ultimate where she creates a, uh, a teleporter that your team can then come through. So whether you're attacking a point and, or defending a point, you know, it can allow you, if your team is dying, they can get back into the battle very quickly. So the tweaks that they're making to her um, are they did say they're extending the range on her primary weapon. Um, but they made sure to say it's a very, very, very tiny uh, uh, increase in range. So it's not going to make it to where she can snipe people with it, but it is going to make it to where she's a little bit more effective in using it. So because most people tend to just use her secondary fire. Um, so it'll kind of maybe make people use it a little bit more. Um, also, one of her abilities used to be that she would give shields um, to the other team members. You just press a button, and they get 25 shields. Um, until those either get depleted or they die, then you can always just replenish them. Um, they got rid of that, and now she has a new uh, ability where she shoots out a, a shield in front of her, and it moves at walking pace in front of her until it runs into a wall. It's very similar to kind of like Reinhardt's shield that hmm. he holds up. So if your team is is charging ahead towards an objective, or if uh, you know the enemy team's using an ultimate or something like that, you can shoot out the shield and your team can just move behind it. It can take damage and can be broken, but it seems like it takes a lot really to break it, kind of similar to Reinhardt's shield as well. Um, so this seems like it could be a very interesting uh, new dynamic to her as a character. And, and I'm interested to see like how that works and how people use it. Uh, it seems like it could be kind of cool to, to try out. So uh, um, that was kind of interesting to see. And then... Um, the final thing was is now she's going to be the first character that actually has two ultimates. So she still has her original ultimate where she can create a teleporter. But on top of that now, um, what you can do is you can toggle, once you achieve your ultimate, you can toggle to a different one by pressing the ultimate button twice. Um, and it uh, creates a shield generator. So it's the same thing where you drop down this little kind of platform, very similar to teleporter, only this one in a very wide area generates uh, a shield that it's going to be constantly emitting onto all of your teammates. And it's a, a 75 boost shield. So rather than the 25 that she used to give, now this thing pumps out a 75. So, and, a, you know, the enemy is going to have to find the shield generator to take it out um, in order to really have a, a chance against the team because they're going to have these huge shields attached to them. They also did say that for her teleporter now, it is um, uh, most of its life is now going to be shields. So if uh, the enemy does come in and is able to plink away at it but not actually destroy the teleporter, that health will refill in shields. So they made the teleporter a little bit harder to destroy. Um, so, Except for uh, Sombra. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. I don't know if she can... Ha I don't know what would happen if she hacked the teleporter. I don't even know if she can. <laughs> um, but I guess maybe if she dropped, like, an EMP, it might remove those shields. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen whether or not that's the case, but it's an interesting idea, yeah. But, so, yeah, so it's, it's just kind of nice that, uh, you know, Blizzard has been very good about... Very similar to kind of how Destiny was doing, where they watch the trends and what people are doing and what people aren't doing, and they send these little tweaks 
Um, for the most part, they're little tweaks to try to improve the stuff, but then also sometimes they throw out big tweaks, you know, like they did some big tweaks with, um, with Diva and then some with Torbjorn, uh, you know, and now they're doing big tweaks with Symmetra. And I know I heard that, uh, Zarya is apparently going to have some tweaks as well in the future. So they're kind of also, you know, making it these, not only just slight tweaks that kind of even up the playing field, but also tweaks that make the characters a little bit more interesting and, and kind of better at the job that they're supposed to have, which is going to help people gravitate towards playing them. So it was just really cool to kind of see this stuff. And I, I'm, I'm very interested to try out a lot of Symmetra's new abilities. When well, it, finally- it sounds like the microtransaction stuff in the game is very profitable for them. Um, so that's heartening that, you know, because I destiny made some promises about, you know, regular, smaller size content, you know, day, not daily stuff, but like, you know, little like event type stuff that they had a live team that was going to be constantly developing stuff. And that just didn't happen. But I think that, um, it, number one, you've got a really, really big player base on this game on all the systems, I think. And, um, and it sounds like, I guess they're making a lot, a lot of money. So as long as they're doing that, I'm sure they're very happy. I mean, this is a company that's still supporting Diablo two. It's insane. They're absolutely insane. So yeah. Remake Diablo one and Diablo three. Like, I mean, who is going to do something like that? Yeah. And they said like all the new stuff they're adding to, to overwatch is supposed to be free and they haven't Mm -hmm. really said anything about that ever changing. So, so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's that's definitely uh, uh, really cool, and it's it's they're kind of keeping up with it better than you know. Destiny came out with the newest thing, and we're like, oh, now we have these microtransactions, so uh, everything else that comes out is going to be free. But all of it was usually uh, time sensitive, so it was very brief, and it wasn't really a lot of it was PvP, and none of it really pulled a lot of people back to the game i tried out some of them you know and then i was like eh, this is kind of pointless you know so like they had the sparrow racing and they had like the valentine's day like 2v2 event mm-hmm. and that's the thing is all of it was very short you know when kind of what we wanted was more of the expansion level stuff like with the first year so uh, th- that they just didn't really keep up with what I think people were hoping they were talking about. While I think Overwatch is kind of doing that, the question is: is how long are they going to be able to do it? Um, the nice thing is, is that with each of these events, they come out with new, uh, uh, what should we call it? Uh, you know, uh, stuff to uh, loot boxes. Yes, the uh, like the the emotes and the skins and everything like that. So yeah. that encourages people who. Because it it's a lot usually of currency in order to get those, and mm-hmm. you know even if you play through a lot, you might not get certain skins. And some of the, especially the Halloween ones, were really cool. Um, so for anybody who wanted to get all of them, yeah, you had to go out and buy loot boxes. So as long as they continue to do that, they'll probably still be able to make money off of it. So hopefully that continues, and hopefully they're still able to pump out a lot of these new characters and maps and stuff like that for free, because uh, that would be amazing. So. Yeah, and in, and in true Blizzard fashion, they um, even if you have no interest in ever playing this game, uh, go onto YouTube and watch the trailers they made for Sombra, the little videos mm-hmm. they made for her. Yeah, for her introduction, it's phenomenal. It's so great. <laughs> I mean, I would just out. watch all of them. I mean, yeah, they're, they're good. All, they're all really cool. good. Yeah. They all tie in like the world together, and I mean, the storyline is not very important in the game, and it's it barely even brushed over. So, I mean, if you're really interested in the storyline, you can watch these. There are intro videos, there are cinematics, and they are well done. Of course, it's Blizzard, so they're well done. Mm-hmm. 
and they're really interesting and it's cool to kind of see the characters. There's a lot of them where they interact with each other, whether they're fighting each other or working together. Um, so, uh, that's always uh, really cool. So yeah, yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Check that stuff out too. Cause that's, you know, if, if there's one company who's good at making like these kind of videos and oh, video yeah. industry, it's Blizzard yeah. hands down, you know, like they've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Blizzard has always been wowing us with cinematics even before they yeah. were this amazing. So, Oh yeah. But, but I really enjoyed that one for introducing Sombra. I liked it a lot. Although then I went online that night and didn't realize she hadn't been released yet, and I was bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, well, she was released on the PTR. But that's the funny thing is, is once stuff gets on the PTR, it's usually only like a week or two till it's out on everybody. Yeah, it was. So it was out uh, like two days after that, I think. But yeah, I was like, oh man. Well, well that's the unfortunate thing is we play on console, so we don't get access to the PTR. So yeah, we have to yeah <laughs> I can wait a day. I'll live. Yeah. <laughs> so uh speaking of uh not being able to wait uh-huh, <laughs> not just for chris um we uh, are going to talk about just simply because if i didn't talk about it, i was going to explode uh we're going to talk a little bit about uh a very anticipated game coming out hopefully next year although it'll probably get pushed back is a uh, mass effect andromeda so um this is going to be the fourth Mass Effect, technically, even though it's not called Mass Effect 4. No one um, likes to make a game 4 because they're cursed. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. in, a way, Evil. in yeah. a way, it kind of works because this is a, a very, very different game. So uh, this game takes place 600 years after the events of the Mass Effect trilogy. So you, the characters that you are, you go on this... Uh, this mission called the Andromeda Initiative where uh, these large ships called ARCs are sent off towards the Andromeda system carrying uh, the main kind of races from the council uh, over there to to see if they can establish new worlds, do some exploring, all that kind of stuff, almost like Star Trek stuff, you know, boldly going where no man has gone before. So it's, you know, it's the humans, the Turians, the Asari, and the uh, Solarians. Now, that's all they really kind of talk about. And in, in the videos, you've only seen the Asari besides humans. So I'm kind of curious and kind of hoping that there will be other alien species on these ships serving. You gotta as crew have or You gotta have Krogan, Quarians. You know, have got to show up. You know, yeah. um, they did already introduce a new species called the Ket, which I I didn't get to watch anything on it, but I'm assuming that's probably going to be the new villain species, but I don't know. We'll have to see. There might be multiple villain species. I don't know, because you're in this new uh, system. And uh, basically, you know, something goes wrong, and, uh, you know, these people wake up 600 years later coming out of cryosleep and find out that they've actually arrived off course, and they're all kind of separated. So um, you play uh, one of two characters. So it's the uh, Ryder twins. Uh, They are... uh, children of this uh one of the main guys who's on the mission and uh the you can pick between either one now once you pick one the other one is no longer available and actually becomes like a you know a, a member of your crew um so somewhat i guess similar in a way to uh in dragon age 2 how you had the two siblings and depending on what you picked you know you got one and the other one got eliminated kind of an idea like that i guess sort of um so yeah, so you pick either the 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 male writer or the female writer. Um, it's not really, the only difference to the gameplay really is that you're a female. It doesn't really change anything. Uh, the interesting thing to the gameplay is you know originally also when you created your character you chose uh, a a class whether it was soldier, adept, vanguard, you know any of those guys. In this one, that's actually not the case. Is you can kind of you have different skill trees and you can pick and choose where you want to put your points as you level up. So if you want to do some biotic stuff, but you also want to 
be able to hack stuff, you can do that, or maybe even throw in some soldier stuff there so you can survive during a firefight. Uh, it's totally up to you, and you can actually change your points on the fly. So you don't even have to go and like totally respec it someplace by spending a ton of currency. You can literally just do it whenever you want. Hmm. Hmm. You're going into, or just if you want to try out some different play styles, totally up to you. Um, so, and you're flying around. Of course, you have your own ship, very similar to uh, you know Mass Effect that you're flying around. You also do have a a land vehicle, which. As they've said, is is going to be far better than the Mako. I just was was there a part of the community that was just like being like, oh God, please bring back the Mako missions. Like I don't know. Well, the one thing is that this is going to be very open world. It's going to be a lot more like uh, Dragon Age Inquisition than than you know how the Mass Effect games were very kind of uh, you know more on you know very wide rails, but rails nonetheless. Like you had mm-hmm. a path you were going down this one's going to be a lot more wider which makes sense because it's a lot more about exploration uh so i think with that it's kind of required that you have a quick way to get around and i'm just hoping with you know all the feedback they've gotten all the new technology that they have that they can make something that is not only you know fun but also usable (laughs) so (laughs) we'll kind of have to just wait and see with that one i guess um, but uh, some other cool stuff they're doing, uh, they're bringing back the loyalty missions from Mass Effect 2. Um, so, uh, you know, when you tried to earn the loyalty of your different crew members, and if you didn't, it could affect, you know, future survival of that crew member or whether or not they chose to stay with you, you know, anything like that. Um, so that's coming back, which is, is going to be cool. The one thing they got rid of, which is interesting, is the Paragon Renegade kind of uh, uh, tool there is is no longer going to be there. You're still going to have, yeah, you're still going to have multiple you know, uh, dialogue options and you can kind of pick and choose that to whatever you feel is appropriate, but you don't have to kind of try to make a Paragon or Renegade character, which I think, yeah, is kind of good because it doesn't pigeonhole you into like this certain response, you know, and it also doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, penalize you for trying to just do a little bit of both. So then when I'm doing my good guy playthrough, I can still punch the reporter out and it's okay. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I mean, I've punched her out anyway. A little bit of renegade points never hurt. Renegon. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it looks like it, it should be really cool. I mean, obviously the videos look amazing. Um, I'm sure whether or not you're on 4K or not, it's still going to look ridiculous. I mean, if it looks <laughs> even half as good as as Dragon Age Inquisition, I think it'll, it should do really well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think I have to say that I'm excited. Cause I think just, if you listen to any of the podcasts, you should know that if it has Bioware stamped on it, I'm automatically just set. So, but, um, what yeah, are some yeah. of your guys thoughts on, on well, what you've seen? And well, they also announced, uh, they were going to be bringing back multiplayer. Oh, I um, didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that they're, they're they're intending to bring that back because it was so popular. Oh, I mean, yeah, I I, I, would, uh, I couldn't understand why they wouldn't because yeah, yeah, I mean, and that yes. was I think Chris, you had mentioned how now that uh, the third one is backwards compatible. There's been like a whole new resurgence of uh, the multiplayer on Mass Effect Three, right? Yeah, and I was listening to um, another podcast. I can't remember which one it was. Um, probably the nerd appropriate one, but they were saying that um, because it's linking to, you know, because your character was linked to your origin account and your Xbox live account, you know, um, that 
any progress you made, it just picks right back up again, which that's kind of surprising to me, but also like, yeah, okay. That makes sense because it's, you're essentially just playing the same game on the same account. So that's crazy that you're, mm-hmm. you don't have to sort of start over from scratch, which I, I, I'm sure a lot of people would be happy to do, but um, yeah, that that's really compelling argument for that. I, and I know recently there was sort of these videos that were going, these little side videos that came out on N7 day, talking about the Andromeda initiative and, you know, get yourself signed up. And I kind of went through yeah, some yeah. of that stuff and, you it know, was like a through. tutorial video. And if you it, like it, they're going to keep launching videos. And if you watch all, like, I guess there's six of them, then you unlock a helmet for the game. Oh, nice. <laughs> but ba- basically I went through this big questionnaire that ended up being stuff about Mass Effect, stuff about um, EA and, and, and essentially at the end of it said like, okay, good. We've got your, request for the multiplayer beta invite i was like that was a very complicated way for me to request that but oh i haven't um, seen a multiplayer beta invite what yeah it's it's um basically just google that and it'll probably get you to that website where it'll basically it'll ask to link to your existing origin account and just it asks you a ton of questions about you know your what you did in, in the Mass Effects and what your you know, N7 rating was in multiplayer, which and if you don't remember, it'll link you to where you can look it up. And so I think it's basically just testing the waters of you know we want to get particular types of people involved in whatever beta we're going to do so that we can get a, some robust information for. So I, I you know hopefully at some point there'll be an open beta for the multiplayer. Yeah. Um, because that was a blast when we first got asked, you know, when we first got to do that before the third game came out. That was that was so much fun, mm-hmm. so much better than I think any of us were expecting it was going to be. Oh no, yeah, I, I I think everybody was pleasantly surprised. Similarly, I I think even though I don't I don't feel like it had as big of success was the uh, Inquisition multiplayer it was a lot of fun. People you know, like that of, stuff. Yeah, I played that a little bit. It wasn't nearly as good as the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. It was kind of like a mini though. Diablo in a way, like in yeah. the Dragon Age universe, which, you know... Like a little dungeon crawl. Like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I think we're all pretty excited about about uh, this game, anticipating it. Uh, I can't think of anything next year I'm anticipating more highly than that. I want to know specifically what the release date is because my birthday is March 9th and that's when Mass Effect 3 came out. And I, I think it'd be so cool if like Infinity one came out on my birthday again, <laughs> but it, it, they, they, they're saying March, but like, I don't know if we're basically in December at this point and really haven't seen any significant gameplay stuff. So I, I, I just hope, you know, I don't think that they will stick to that time frame, but I hope that they do. Like yeah, it would well, just that, be nice. That's already a, a pushback. So hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That's enough time. So, I think they were originally saying fourth quarter of this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was supposed to be a 2016 yeah. game, but yeah, very happy to wait. There are more than enough games to play right now. Uh, totally, <laughs> always. Though. Yeah, always. That's true. Yeah, happy to wait, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd say more than happy. I mean, you can do two or three more 150 hour runs through Dragon Age if you want. You yeah, know. there you go. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so I mean, we'll, we're we're all I think easily say that we're very excited about it, and we'll continue to kind of update you guys as we we discover more about this. But um, I guess with that, uh, we'll be signing off. But we will be coming back to you guys because we our next episode should probably be our year in review. So we always look mm-hmm. forward to that, looking back to all of our fond memories of this past year. Um, so be sure to to tune in to check that out next time. But uh, otherwise, my name is Mike. My name is Chris. Dang it. <laughs> okay, let's do it again. We're doing it live. Jared's going to go. See, we always wait. We just jump together. <laughs>
<laughs> go, Chris, you go after Mike. Okay, so my name's Mike. My name is Chris. Hey, hey, it's Jared. And I'm going to sign off for the used gamers. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Get them figured out. <sighs> hey, that was a good short episode, you liars. Yeah, two and a half hours or something like that. <laughs> that <laughs> wasn't quite that long. Well, we were supposed to start at 10, and we didn't. And then there was a bunch of time logistics, so that was probably at least an hour and a half episode. Yeah, we didn't yeah, start I think I was, I was out to like 10.45. So. Yeah. I think that's like an hour and a half episode, our short one. Yeah, well, I think, I think the, uh, the, the Call of Duty Titanfall 2 and the Dark Souls just went a little a lot longer, longer than we expected. Than expected. Yeah. yeah, well, you know. We just accept that no matter what you throw at us, it will it will result in an hour and a half of content. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't matter. What do you guys want to talk about? We're going to talk about tic tac toe. <laughs> That's right. Well, see, the real uh, trick to it is that you know, back in the old days when it was people don't know that you can put a triangle down. I mean, nobody does that, but you can do. <laughs>